Well, this morning, uh, for those that are visitors, we've been going through a book called The Story. And what the story is, is a chronological selection of scripture that you can read through and cover it from Genesis to Revelation. Everything in it is Bible, uh, except a few little transitional paragraphs between subjects. But it doesn't contain the whole Bible. But it's an excellent, excellent way to read and get more familiar with the Bible. And we've been going through this, and we are up to chapter 21, excuse me, 27 of the, my notes that look like a one. 27 of the story. And my title of the message this morning is simply, He is Risen. Two weeks ago, Pastor Bob shared about the suffering of Jesus. And uh, we left him in the tomb at that time. And he shared about the Old and New Covenant. And this morning we're going to be looking at the resurrection. And maybe in just a little bit different way than you looked at it before. I'm going to start by asking a couple questions. Have you ever stood beside a casket or along the graveside of a loved one whose life was over? Most of us, if we've been around a little while, have experienced that more than once. The reality for the deceased person, for them, life as we know it, is over. And while we can stand there and recall the memories of all the good times that we had, and and sometimes we stand there and we remember some of the difficult things that we went through together in life, you know, it seems like no matter what, you're still left, or at least I am, with kind of a, an empty feeling that this person's gone. And no matter what the relationship was, it's never going to be the same, even with the good memories that we might have. Even if they were a Christian, you can stand there and, and know and have a certain hope that one day that we will see them again, that we'll be reunited with them again. But even knowing that, there's a finality to it. It's different. The relationship that we had is different. And there's loss. And we grieve the loss of that loved one. Going back to the crucifixion of Jesus, it helps me to understand the disciples a little bit better and some of their confusion when I remember standing alongside the, the, the casket or the grave of someone that I dearly loved. Easter Sunday was so good because the day before was so bad. When we look back, we remember Good Friday and it commemorates the crucifixion. And when we look to Easter Sunday, it commemorates the resurrection. But in between, there was a Saturday. And Saturday for the disciples was terrible, horrible. And it's only by understanding truly Easter Sunday that we can be transformed from that Saturday mindset. Because a lot of people today still live in a Saturday mindset instead of an Easter Sunday mindset. I want to look, first of all, at the disciples. I know it's a story most of you are probably pretty familiar with, but it's good to go back and imagine The disciples had come to Jerusalem. They'd been forewarned by Jesus, what was waiting for them. 
They had had so much trouble around Jerusalem before that none of them wanted to go back. It was like, Jesus, what are you thinking? We know it's the Passover and all, but really? Every time we go near there, we get run out of town. They threaten to stone you or kill you, and we kind of travel with you, so we're kind of in, in the line of fire. And they come, and that whole week takes place, and then there's the crucifixion. Poor Peter fulfills the prophecies that Jesus had to him. Before the cock crows, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Lord, are you kidding? I love you. I could never do such a thing. He did. And the disciples scattered. We only hear about a couple of them when we read the crucifixion story. To them, can you imagine... You had walked away from your life that you had, such as it was, and you'd committed to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And to all outward appearances, he was dead. What you had bet your life on laid in a rock-hewn tomb, dead. The ultimate in defeat. The man that you had invested in, the man who, who you had followed, the man who had given your life meaning. I mean, think about it for a second. Up till this point when Jesus came on the scene, you know, we know, we know that a few of them, uh, Andrew and Peter and James and John, were fishermen. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a fisherman. I know some of you are really fishermen. But to go from a fisherman, putting your boat in, cleaning your nets, taking care of the fish, hauling them to market, and doing it over again day after day after day, and now you're one of the elite 12 chosen disciples of Jesus the Messiah. Everywhere you went, crowds would gather. As a matter of fact, not only did you witness Jesus doing amazing things and amazing miracles, He sent you out and you did amazing things and amazing miracles. You prayed for people that were sick and they got healed. You cast out demons in His name. Everything that had given you meaning in your life now laid in a tomb, dead. The kingdom of God, the kingdom that you had heard so much about, the kingdom that you had connected to Jesus as the Messiah, what about it? It laid in a tomb. The disciples were hidden away behind locked doors, afraid, and I don't blame them. You were part of this group's, Jesus' elite group of followers, and they'd killed the leader. Why wouldn't they come and get you too? The doors were locked. Saturday. Death to them appeared to be absolute. They were not betting on a resurrection. A matter of fact, as near as we can tell in the Scripture, they weren't even talking about a resurrection. They were locked in that Saturday mindset. For those of you that have been going through this series of teachings with us, you know we keep referring to the lower story and the upper story. And the lower story is a picture of us living out our circumstances and the way we think. And then there's God's story over here, this story of redemption. His perfect plan of redeeming mankind to bring him back into relationship with him. 
And boy, do we have a classic picture here of the lower story mindset blocking God's upper story from view. Their circumstances, what they'd experienced, their emotions, everything in their lower story was bringing nothing but despair. They were discouraged. They were confused and they were afraid. The Saturday mindset that the disciples had. And I can't hardly blame them. It's easy when I look back with the hindsight we have of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to say, come on guys, what are you thinking? Especially when we look and see how Jesus had spoken very clearly to them, but at the same time, they hadn't understood. A couple of scriptures in Mark chapter 8, verse 31. It says, He then began to teach. Now, I'll give you a context of this scripture. It's right after Jesus had asked them, Who do the people say I am? And then he says, Who do you say I am? And Peter had just said, You are the Christ, the Messiah. And then Jesus said in verse 31, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that He must be killed and after three days rise again. And then just one chapter later in Mark, chapter 9, this is again following what we call the transfiguration. If you remember, he had taken John and James and Peter and they'd, they'd went up onto a, a hilltop or a mountaintop type thing and all of a sudden they see Jesus in this transfigured, this glorious, it says his, his clothes were glowing white as light. And beside him is Elijah and Moses. Talk about a mountaintop experience. Of course, they kind of missed things and they wanted to build altars to all three of them. But immediately following that is when this next scripture in verse 30 of chapter 9 goes, they left that place and they passed through Galilee and Jesus didn't want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. Remember, he's in, 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 in intelligently and intentionally teaching his disciples so they would know. And what is he teaching him? The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. and They'll kill him. And after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant. And they were afraid to ask him about it. Sometimes we're like that, aren't we? Someone shares something with us. It really rings true. We don't quite get it. So we don't ask any questions. I sometimes think, Cal, just think if they'd have asked a couple questions, how much they'd have understood. And then in Mark 10, verse 33... They're getting ready to go to Jerusalem in spite of the disciples being a little leery of going to Jerusalem. It says, We are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Notice, each one, it gets a little more specific as he's going along with the explanation. Here he says, The chief priests and the teachers of the law and they will condemn him to death and they'll hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him and three days and kill him and three days later he will rise but they didn't get it what did it all mean 
Here in their mind, at the very least, was Jesus. He was a prophet, a mighty prophet. Mighty in word, mighty in deed, mighty in miracles. No one had done what he had done. No one could teach like he taught. And it angered the religious leaders, and they killed him. So Jesus is in a tomb, and the religious leaders are still alive. You can imagine what was going through the minds of these Jewish disciples. The kingdom, all that they'd been looking at, was so confusing at best. They were probably, as we see, they were probably completely unclear about what was Jesus' mission? What was his work all about? What were all these miracles about? What were all the teachings that he gave? What were they all about? He's dead, he's in a tomb. What did all the past mean? Three years we've been following this guy. Believing him. Loving him. Amazed by him. What about the past? What about the present? Here we are locked behind a door in Jerusalem. We're almost afraid to go out to even leave the city. And then what about the future? They'd gambled everything. Jesus had told them, forsake all, follow me. And they did. Now what? What does the future hold for them? And as we read the story of the resurrection in the Bible, there's a group of women. It wasn't just male disciples, remember. There were a lot of women who were disciples. Not in the twelve, but disciples. All the followers were called disciples. And in the resurrection story, we read about some women. But we need to remember when we read the resurrection story and we read about them going to, tomb, to the tomb, they weren't going there to confirm a resurrection. The resurrection wasn't on their mind either. As a matter of fact, what were they going to the tomb to do? It says they would went and bought a whole bunch of spices very, very early that morning to go to the tomb to embalm the body. Put the spices on the body according to traditions of the culture at that time. In Mark 16, starting in verse 1, it talks about these ladies. And you can read about the ladies and you really read, need to read the different Gospels to get the full story and put together the events around these women. But in Mark chapter 16, it says, When the Sabbath was over, without going into too much detail, for them the next day started at sundown. So Friday, Good Friday, when they crucified Jesus, remember they went to, went to him and said, can we take the body down? We need to get the body off the cross because it's, tomorrow's the Sabbath. So late Friday evening, sundown comes, it's now Saturday. And then, same thing occurs on Saturday evening, when sundown comes, it's now Sunday. What we would call Sunday, the first day of the week. And then very early in the morning, they got up. So really, even though we talk about three days, it was only probably a little over 36 hours that had passed. And the most of that time was spent in that Saturday mindset, that Saturday of just unbelievable grief, confusion, pain, and fear. So the ladies get up. And in Mark 16, it says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. 
And if you read it in the other, other Gospels, you'll hear there was a fourth woman named Joanna with them. It says they bought spices so that they could go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? They were not going to see a resurrection. They went to the tomb. And they see a stone is rolled away. He's not there. Meanwhile, somewhere in this time frame, there's two disciples that have left the city. We don't know who they are, but we know about them because the Bible tells us there's these two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. Not very far from Jerusalem. Basically, they're going home. Jesus is dead. He's in the tomb. The Sabbath is over. We can travel. It's time to get out of town. And all of a sudden, as they're walking, a third person joins them. And as they're walking, they start talking. And, and one of the things that happens, Jesus says, then what are you talking about? Well, what they've been talking about is all that had transpired in the previous couple days. And when Jesus asked this question to them, they look at him like, where have you been? If you've been in Jerusalem, everybody knows what happened. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about this man named Jesus we thought was the Messiah. And the religious people arrested him. They had a mock trial and they convicted him and he was sentenced to death and they killed him on a cross. And they're walking around and then it long and then it says Jesus starts talking to them. And he starts reviewing from the prophets in the Old Testament right up to the Messiah and how everything pointed to the Messiah. And they still didn't recognize who he was. He had, did not have his glorified body yet, so they didn't recognize him. And what happens is they, there's something in them. There's something in those two guys that are just drawn to this man and his teaching, and, and, but they don't recognize him. As a matter of fact, they, get to, they don't want him to leave, so they, they say, come. Stay with us. Sup with us. Have, have some food. And he took and he blessed the bread, and instantly they, they realized who this person was and he was gone he'd revealed himself to a couple disciples boy did their saturday mindset change in a hurry it says they took off and ran all the way back to jerusalem we got to go tell the guys we got to go tell the disciples the women the men that are there we got to go tell them we've seen jesus meanwhile the four women that had went to the tomb and discovered the tomb was empty Talk to a couple angels. Think about all this. The stone is rolled away. The guards are unconscious or something. And the angels tell him, he's not here. He's risen. And it looks like they run back to where the disciples are locked behind the door. Probably pound on the door and say, hey, it's us. Open up. You're okay. And they tell him, He's not there. He's not there. We talked to a couple angels. We talked to angels. He's not there. They didn't believe him. Now, not only did they not believe him, if you read it in all four Gospels, it now looks like we know there was a foot race, right? John writes about the foot race. Out the door they go, Peter with John. And of course, being John wrote the book, he had to let us know he won the race. He got there first. They look in the tomb, and Peter comes, he's second, but he blasts right past him into the tomb. 
know, you know Peter, right? Blast right past him and it's empty. And it appears like when you read the gospel stories that Mary Magdalene chose to follow them back. One of those four women. Mary Magdalene. A woman who Jesus had set free. Who'd talked to the angels, or had the angels talk to her. And the disciples, after they're in the tomb, they go back. And here's Mary Magdalene. And what is she doing? She's seen the empty tomb. She's heard angels speak. And she's sitting there, and the Bible says she's weeping. She's crying. She is in such a Saturday mindset that the angels didn't remove her grief. The empty tomb didn't remove her grief. She was still locked into a Saturday mindset, which can happen to every single one of us. We can get in our lower story. We start looking at our life. We start looking at our circumstances. We start looking at things going on around us. And depending on what it is, hopelessness can set in. Despair can set in. Fear can set in. All of a sudden, we are so wrapped up in our lower story experience, our own life, that Saturday mindset that we're trapped. And we've lost total sight of God's upper story. We're living in that Saturday mindset instead of Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus. Saturday for them was a terrible day trapped in their lower story. What did it take for the disciples to get moved out of that Saturday morning or that Saturday mindset into an Easter morning mindset? It took more than an empty tomb. You know, the disciples, it seems like they'd forgotten all about Jesus' teaching. As a matter of fact, it's amazing to me, as we read the story, the Pharisees, the very people that had killed Jesus, seemed to remember His teaching better than the disciples. Why? Because they were emotionally involved and connected to Jesus in every way. And in their mindset, they got their eyes on the circumstances instead of on who Jesus really was. And their grief, their fear, all of those things had blocked out the truth of what was going to happen. The Pharisees were not so emotional. Well, if they were emotionally attached, it was hatred. But they remembered. They said, you know what? We could have a problem. They didn't believe for a second that he was going to really raise from the dead. Don't, don't think that for a second. But they remembered the teaching. He said on the third day, he would rise again. Wouldn't it be just like those sneaky, no-good disciples to try and pull off a phony, fake resurrection by stealing the body and pretending he was raised from the dead? So they went and they had, they had, they had uh, the, the leaders put a seal around the stone that if it was broken, they would know. And they assigned a group of soldiers to guard the tomb which didn't work out so good for them anyway. So Mary Magdalene, back to her. She gets back to the tomb. And not all the details are there, but it tells us she's sitting there, probably curled up on the ground, weeping. 
Because there's an empty tomb. And she was still locked in her Saturday morning mindset. What did it take to get her out of that mindset? As she's weeping and crying, she, she hears a voice from behind her. And she sees this guy. And she, she thinks it's the gardener. And to give you an idea where her mindset still is in her crying and her tears, she looks at it and says, if you've taken him, where have you taken him that I might go and get him? Still speaking. Think, think about this. Empty tomb. Rock rolled away. The soldiers, they'd taken off. They were in trouble. They were facing threat of death for what they'd allowed to happen, supposedly. She'd spoken to the angels and there she is still weeping. And she says, where have you taken him? I want to read to you in John chapter 20, starting at verse 10. And there's one word in there that catches my attention. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she sees two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have taken him, carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And then Jesus says to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out, in Aramaic, Rabboni, teacher, instant recognition. Instantly, the Saturday morning, the Saturday mindset was gone, and an Easter morning mindset took its place. When I look at that, I think the empty tomb didn't help. The angels, which would impress me, didn't help. What was it that took place? Mary had mistakenly thought it was a gardener. But when you go back to that scripture, the word that caught my attention was, she says, they have taken my Lord. Of all the words we read, all of the disciples speaking, all of that story of the resurrection, there is only one person who calls him Lord in the story of the resurrection. And it's Mary. And as soon as she hears her name, that's all it took. Jump back with me to the road to the Emmaus again. And I want to look specifically at a scripture where Jesus is talking to these guys. And he says to them in Luke chapter 24, How foolish you guys are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 
And then in John chapter 20, verses 8 and 9, it says, Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and saw and believed. They did, still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Jesus had to rise from the dead. He tells the guys on the road to Emmaus, and then we see in Scripture that the disciples finally had to understand he had to rise from the dead, which means what? He first had to die. Why did he have to rise for the dead, from the dead? Because it was the ultimate evidence and proof that the sacrifice of Jesus for my sins and your sins was acceptable to the Father. And the power of sin and the power of death was broken, defeated, once and for all. It was finished. He had to die and he had to rise again from the dead. This is the important thing that we grasp of this awesome story. That you and I were sinners condemned to hell. And the Bible is clear that the penalty for sin was death. We deserve to die. God in his love for us sent his son Jesus to die in our place. And it couldn't just be any sacrifice. It couldn't just be a man. It had to be a sinless man. And Jesus is the only sinless man that ever has walked this earth. And he died on that cross. And he said, it is finished. And when he was raised from the dead, there was the proof, the evidence that it was an acceptable sacrifice in the Father's eyes. Which to us means everything. That means in God's eyes, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we are without sin. He sees us through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We are a new creature in Christ. That old person is dead. All things are new. Now we realize there's a process of sanctification as we learn more, as the Holy Spirit leads and guides us. But we got to get out of that mindset that we are somehow or else or other having to somehow prove that we're good enough, prove that we're worthy. You're not and never will be. But praise God, it doesn't matter. We've been accepted because of Christ. And his resurrection is the proof of that. Man, when he rose from the dead, Jesus had said on the cross, it is finished, but now it's a new beginning. And we're going to see next week as we progress in the story, that new beginning, he gives us a commission as disciples to go on and continue spreading the good news. Why did Jesus reveal himself to Mary Magdalene? I don't know. I don't know for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it was because of her heart, because she was looking for her Lord. But I do know this. Whatever his reason was, it gives us a picture of just who Jesus is, the kind of person, the kind of God that he is. He's a God that's full of mercy, and he's full of compassion. He is just and he is righteous, but he's a loving God and he loves us. With the disciples, he reveals himself to them. He appears in a room in the midst of them. His mercy, his compassion. Then there's good old Peter. Good old Peter. You want to see a picture of compassion and mercy? Look at the way Jesus restored Peter, who denied him three times. No condemnation. 
no I told you so's. Lovingly, he comes to him and says, Peter, do you love me? Three times. And with Mary Magdalene. During the times that we're stuck in a Saturday mindset, we need to realize and understand what Mary discovered. When did Mary recognize Jesus? When he said his, her name. John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. We're his sheep. He knows our name. He knows us. And when we're stuck in that Saturday mindset because of what's going on in our lives, because of our Lori story experiences, we need to remember He knows us. He loves us. And if we'll get quiet before the Lord and start meditating on who He is and what He's done, we'll hear Him calling our name. He'll be speaking to you. He'll be trying to call us out of that Saturday morning mindset of despair or fear or whatever it is into that place of an Easter morning, realizing that he has been raised from the dead. And with that comes a certain hope that we too one day will be raised from the dead. You know, for us, as Christians, as believers, every day should be Easter morning. Every day. The challenge is always the same. We have a choice to make. We have to make a choice. We can stay in that Saturday mindset. Or we can look and remember that the tomb is empty and he's been raised from the dead. And we can hear his voice. And we can change that Saturday morning mindset to an Easter Sunday mindset. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the resurrection power lives and dwells in us with the Holy Spirit. God, that we have the living Lord living in us by the Holy Spirit. Father, that that we can remember and look on that resurrection day and it changes our life. It builds our faith. It reminds us of who Jesus is and who we are in Christ. God, that we are loved unconditionally by you. That you will work everything for good for your children, no matter what circumstance we're in. God, that if we turn our faith, our trust, our confidence in you, that you will walk us through whatever valley we're in, no matter how dark it gets. You are going before us. You are going with us. And we don't feel like we can take another step. You'll pick us up. You'll carry us. But you'll never abandon us. You'll never forsake us. God, we thank you and praise you and rejoice in the truth that we serve that kind of God. And Lord, I pray for each one of us we would know you as that kind of God. Father, I pray that you would help us to see those lies and deceptions that we might still hang on to that would show us or try to convince us that you're less than that. That when we accept Jesus Christ, we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
And we are now wearing the cloak of righteousness of Jesus Christ. And there's no condemnation. No shame, no guilt. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray now you would bless us as we go our different ways. Watch over us this week. God, help us to see and be sensitive to your Holy Spirit's leading that we would see those divine appointments that you bring across our path. We ask all this, Lord, that you would be glorified and your kingdom would be advanced. In Jesus' name, amen.